are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. our visitors and other folks that are visiting, we're in a series of messages on grace. And I always say, and I have many weeks planned on this subject, but I'll continue to preach on grace as long as it keeps your attention and if it keeps my attention. And it it is keeping my attention because it's growing in my heart. And the things, some things I've learned through the years from this word grace and other things, my eyes have just been opened uh, anew and afresh, how desperately we need grace. We're looking at what does grace produce? Grace is unmerited favor. And we keep the word favor in our mind. It's unmerited what? Favor. God's blessings upon us, God's goodness. It's undeserved, it's unmerited. God's, someone gave the, gave the acrostic years ago, God's riches at Christ's expense. I don't deserve grace. The Bible says I was an enemy to God. I was a stranger. I was a foreigner. I was a sinner. But he who is rich in mercy, he gave his life for me. That's called grace. And so what does grace produce? First, we saw grace produces salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. Every person in this room that's been born again, we don't deserve to die and go to heaven. We deserve to die and go to hell. And I'd be the first one on that slippery slope. But God in his mercy saved us. And my eyes were open to the fact I saw my condition. No one, no one had to convince me how bad I was. I knew how bad I was. And God reached down and saved me. About 15 minutes from here in a little church house so many years ago, And I'm glad God looked past my sin and covered it and he saved me. Grace, grace produces salvation. Secondly, we saw grace produces joy, Acts 11. Joy is different than pleasure. The world, and it's not all wrong, can produce pleasure, laughter, happiness, enjoyment, fun. The world can do all that, but the world cannot create joy. Joy doesn't come from the outside. Joy comes from the inside. I sing with the elementary kids in chapel quite often. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. This world might be caving in around us and it may not seem like it produces a lot of happiness for us. Oh, I tell you, I'm such a happy camper today. God's been so good to me. Then we saw that joy, or, or, or grace produces godliness. Seeing the grace of God, Titus chapter two. And then that the Bible says that knowing this, that we should keep ourselves from ungodliness and we should live righteously and soberly in this present evil day. We're having such a problem with the flesh, why? Because we're not experiencing new grace. New grace, we've not needed before. We wanna go and live like this world and act like the world and talk like the world 
And God says, oh no, that's not what I have. I want you to have a grace of godliness and sobriety in your heart. And then we saw number four on Easter that the product of grace is humility. And if you like me, have pride. I don't have pride in how talented I am, for I'm not. I don't have pride in how, pride how gifted I am, I'm not. But pride is whenever we dethrone God and we lift up ourselves. I can dethrone God and have fear. That's pride. I got this under control. No, I don't have it under control. Well, I know I don't have it under control. Well, God says, I've got it under control. Getting upset with some driver that cuts us off and laying on the horde. That's my pride. Don't act like you've never done that. I gave that illustration in class. I had three men come up to me and said, hey, you just talked about my life this past week. I, I did the same thing. Isn't it amazing? I'm trying to live for God. And then some nutcase, never mind, we won't go there. I want you to see chapter 12. I hope this will help you like it helps me. Verse nine, I wonder if you could read verse nine. Oh, what a powerful verse. Chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, verse nine. Ready, begin. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. The Bible gives us that Paul had a physical problem. Your problem today may not be physical, it might be financial. Your problem might be a medical problem. Oh my goodness, the people that this church that have cancer and MS and dialysis and high blood pressure and Parkinson's. It's an amazing thing how many people suffer today? I just caught the attention. I saw a person in chemo right now. There's several in this room this morning. You know, you're, you're, Paul calls it a thorn in the flesh. It might be you're just overwhelmed by a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter or a wife that has stepped out on you or a husband that stepped out on you or divorce, and perhaps this week the judge will say it's final. Or perhaps this week you go into a courtroom and you're waiting, as a young man a few weeks ago said, this is my week, and I'll find out how long I'm going to prison. Never had a record, never had anything. He did a stupid thing, a foolish thing, and just to spur, but that foolish thing sent him to prison. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. What's yours? What's mine? The Bible says in chapter number 12, and I want to begin with you to understand this, verse 5, of such a one will I glory, yet not in myself. He is talking about the fact that he experienced the revelation of the presence of God, and he said, I'm not going to glory in that. God gave me a special opportunity. I'm not going to go, but he says, I, in my, but, but in mine infirmities. First time of several times he uses that word infirmity. I have a physical problem. The apostle Paul, historians tell us, 
though he wrote most of the New Testament, was a powerful preacher. His head was severed from his body. We know that, 2 Timothy. But the apostle Paul was probably, as best we can tell, four foot 10. He was a short man. The people he had won to Christ later turned on him and they said of him, his speech is contemptible. Well, he knew five languages. His speech is contemptible. His bodily presence is weak. He had this infection in his eyes. Something was wrong. His eyes would run. He had a problem with his eyes. He called it an infirmity. He called it in form of the flesh. In fact, as we go on, for though I would desire to glory, I want to be proud of the fact that God expressed himself to me personally. I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear it, lest any man should think to me of me above that which he seeth to be or that which he heareth of me lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And then he talks about prayer, verse eight. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice, three times I came. God wonderfully, gave me, I never talk about it, it's probably been maybe 10 years, but about 30 some years ago, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. And it's 24 hours a day, I feel it, it's painful. And I have asked God, I said, I'm claiming that verse. And on three occasions, I've asked God to remove it, and I left it alone. Because that's not God's plan for my life. You have a greater thorn, perhaps, than I do. But the Bible says, but he said unto me, he said unto me, Paul, you have this thorn. And he had other problems. The church was turning against him. Corinth was turning against him. And Galatia was turning against him. And the church at Colossae was turning against him. And he said, I want you to Christ. I'm afraid of you people. He said, you want to pluck your eyes out from me, Galatians chapter four. You want to pluck your eyes out again. He said, you treated me like an angel and now you're treating me like an enemy and I won you to Christ and I have this thorn in the flesh. But he said, first I, he says, God said, my, my, what's the second word there in that statement? My grace, undeserved favor is one, it's sufficient. It's sufficient. I love that word sufficient. It means enough. I've got enough. God says, I've got enough to give you my grace, God's grace. It's sufficient. What's your turmoil, senior saint? As you get older in life, you get concerned perhaps with your vision or your hearing or perhaps heights, Ecclesiastes 12 tells us all about, it says your doors go shut, your windows go shut. Perhaps it's a fear of being alone or perhaps it's a fear of losing your driver's license. Or perhaps it's a fear of just loneliness and sadness or losing our minds. It's just, it's amazing how almost daily I hear of people, even in their 50s, dimension, 
Alzheimer's. Such a sad thing. And people that I've loved, and my wife and I can think back of years ago, someone we loved dearly, and they said, the one thing I don't want in life is to lose my mind. Yet we watch that person go into Alzheimer's for 10 years. And it was such a sad thing to watch and behold. And here, I don't know what your thorn in the flesh is, but God says, my grace is enough. There's enough of my grace that I can help you. He says, secondly, in that text, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Then he says another letter S, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God wants to use you. Young people, we're glad you're here. Some of you freshmen in the college and graduation this week. This is my last opportunity to speak to some of you students. Most are out of the auditorium this morning. But I will say, if God's gonna use you powerfully on the mission field and in the church, he will take you through the school of suffering. And I watch people constantly go through suffering and get mad at the church and get mad at a pastor or get mad at God or get mad at Christianity. Young man, just touch, you don't know him. I've never met the man, but the touch of God was on his life, but he's been pastoring for about 15 years or so in a very hard, difficult area in our country. And it's just like beating your head up against the wall. And recently he said these words, I can't take it anymore. I'm not gonna take it anymore unless you fault that man. He's done a hard, hard task for 15 years and he left the ministry, not because of stealing, not because of immoral, not because of wickedness. He just said, I, I can't, I can't live under this burden. But God says, I'll give you sufficient grace. And God says, I'll give you strength. Strength, he'll, he'll give you some power when you don't believe you can go on. You see, God schools us through the school of adversity and disappointment and sorrow and sadness and heartache. And let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, you live long enough, you will have a lot of sadness in your heart. I pastored this church almost 44 years. It's an amazing church and this is just one group. We have the other property packed this morning. We have these rooms and refilled. We've seen over 80,000 people walk the aisles of this church asking Jesus Christ to be their savior and over 18,000 baptized and became members of the church. Where are they all? Some wind up hating the pastor most, hating the church, upset. Some grow up in the Christian school and walk out, deny it all. Some go to a Bible college and deny it all. Oh, I'll tell you something, the ministry is the best, but it is a daily life of hurt. And I'm not poor, me and you have hurt, I have hurt, all God's children have hurt. 
But I will say that God says my grace is sufficient. God doesn't want my attention to be on my problems. God doesn't want my attention to be on my hurt, my sadness, my disappointment. God doesn't want me focusing on Jack and all of his health and this and that and finances or whatever it may be and his dementia coming. Sometimes I think it's there. My wife thinks it's there at times. God says, I'll give you sufficient grace. I'll give you strong grace. Are you young people? Will you teenagers up here, God bless you sweet kids. Will you learn that God is always enough? I'm ashamed to say this. I hurt to say this. For some of you and some of this room, we might wind up doing wrong and finding ourselves in a jail cell. Remember chapter 12, verse 9, that God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is strong. I don't know who this heart lady, give me that heart or whatever that is, the program, you know what I'm talking about. On, when, when calls a heart. And this Lori lady, I don't even know her last name. And I know there's others in this scam. From what I understand, she's lost her kids over it and her husband and her are having troubles over it and probably going to prison, I don't know. I've been so overwhelmed with praying for that girl. I know she did wrong. I'm not saying that. It just seems like the world is like a, a vicious, let's get her now. I hurt to think that she's going to be in a jail cell. I kept praying again. She is one of some. I said, Lord, help her to watch our service this morning. Like Rush Limbaugh and his wife have watched several times. I said, please help her to see it. This Smollett boy or whatever, I don't know his name is, whatever, the movie star thing. I'm hoping he'll watch, he'll get saved. I hope that girl will get saved. I hope that family be restoring those girls and say, Mom, you tried to do right, but you did wrong, and you messed our family up, but you're our family. I think about Mother's Day next week for her. And she's just one of hundreds of thousands of people that are so sad with decisions they made in their life. I'd be one of those too. God says, my grace is sufficient. God's gonna bring you through, listener, friend, that are watching. God will bring you through. It's sufficient. It's enough. It's strong. You notice that Satan's at work, verse seven. A thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. But as Satan is involved, the Savior's involved. My grace is sufficient. Would you turn with me? It's rare. But would you turn with me in your psalm book to page 282? There are two songs that deal with this word sufficient and strength. Page 282. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. That's grace, Brother Poussin. That's grace. God says, I can give favor upon your life in the circumstance you find yourself. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But sometimes I wonder what he can do.
can do through me. No great success to show, no glory on my own. Yet in my weakness, He is there to let me to let us know his strength is what else will he do he'll carry Look at that second. We can only know the power that he holds when we truly see how deep our weakness goes. His strength in us begins when ours comes to an end. He hears our humble cry and proves again. Would you turn to page number 209? 209. Mosey Lister I believe it was last year, the year before he passed away. He was in his 90s. Mosey Lister, who wrote this, wrote, In the dark of the midnight. He was a man that had such sorrows in his life, such disappointments, such sadness. And he wrote that song, Till the Storm Passed. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storm howls above me. And there's no hiding place. He wrote this song too, Brother Bertram. Many times I'm tried and tested. This was his testimony. As I travel day by day, oft I meet with pain and sorrow, and there's trouble in the way. But I have the sweet assurance that my soul the Lord will lead, and in him there is strength for every need. Oh, his grace is sufficient for me. I'm glad his grace is sufficient. You dear people that I love so much, through the week when I think about you, I hurt so many times. I heard about the experiences I've seen you go through in these years. One of the most difficult things is pastoring the same church a long time. I read an article a few years ago that said don't pastor the same church more than 10 or 15 years because the pain of the suffering of the people that you watch becomes overwhelming in your heart. I can tell you that's true. Oh, the blessings. When I see you and then your children and then your children's children, it's been such a joy all these years to pastor. And I feel like you must think something's wrong with me at times. I feel like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. I can hardly stand here and cope in the auditorium without saying there's a sorrow and there's a heartache and there's a disappointment in their life and there's a sickness and there's a misunderstanding they're facing and there's a parent and there's a parent that their kids won't even talk to them 
And there's a grandma and grandpa that can't even be permitted to see their grandkids because the kids got mad at them. And God says, my grace is sufficient. Look what he says on the second set. When the tempter brings confusion, I don't know what to do. On my knees, here's a man that had troubles. He turned to Jesus. I know he'll see me through. And despair is changed to victory. Every doubt, doubt just melts away. And in him, there's hope for every day. Just hold your psalm book there. I'll be about done. There's a girl I want to introduce to you. Her name is Annie. Annie is not here. She's not alive. She was born in 1866. Annie was born on Christmas Eve. Family is so happy. The firstborn. Annie then found out as a three-year-old, her mom was giving birth to a, another little child that became a girl. And at that little girl at birth, her mother, Annie Johnson's mother, died. And now there's two little girls, Annie and her little sister, baby sister, both without a mother. And Annie's dad had an incurable disease that was taking his life as a young age and just a few short years later, he died. Annie and her sister are now orphans. Sister Miriam, your maiden name was Flint. Your mom and dad are watching right now. The Flint family took Annie and her sister in and said, we want you to be our girl. And they adopted her into their life. Annie had lost her mom, lost her dad in death. Annie went to college, took one year for a teaching credential in the late 1800s, and she became a teacher. And in the midst of all that, the Flints both died suddenly. Now her mother and dad gone, and now her second family's gone. She taught for one year, was an outstanding teacher. And then as a young girl, just 19, arthritis came in and began to grip her life to the point she couldn't even walk in just a short time. She was all bent up. The pain was excruciating. They said all of it, whether the loss of parents or the adopted parents or now arthritis and cannot work and cannot teach, she just kept such a radiant, joyful spirit. She did not magnify her illness, did not talk about it, did not ask for pity or seek people to talk about her. She just, she just absorbed it all and she turned to God. You know, when you go through your thorn in the flesh, I will not turn to the internet and broadcast it. When you go through your thorn in the flesh, I'd not quit church. I'd not blame God. When you go through that, I'd not look like you've been weeding on a deal pickle, all sad and all talking to me about my problems. I try to live in the way that people don't know about it. But God does. Yes. Yes. And he would begin to write. 
poems. She wrote a poem for us, and she died shortly thereafter, very young in age. I want you to read her poem with me on page 448. Here's the poem that Annie Johnson Flint gave us. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength, that's a Bible word, when the labors increase to added affliction. He addeth his mercy to multiply trials his multiplied peace. Sing it with me. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary, no unto. For out of his Sing that last stanza. Verse 9 says, My grace is sufficient. Verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. That's the third time you see that word. I take pleasure in reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. How could he be strong? Because his strength wasn't in himself. Who told us where the strength was? God's grace. Let's stand together on that last stanza, shall we please? When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed, ere the day is half when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our So we say, okay, I, I need help. I've got this adversity. I think I'll turn to a shrink. I think I'll turn to a counselor. I think I'll turn to alcohol. I think I'll turn to drugs. Calm me down. I think I'll turn to pot. I think I'll turn to coke. I think I'll turn to the desert or to the seaside or the mountains to calm myself down. Oh, what you need is more grace. Not saving grace, but strong grace, sufficient grace. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.